Hello and welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Crystal Taves and I'm the pastor of women at Northview Church. We have two campuses in Abbotsford, British Columbia and Mission and starting a third soon in Port Coquitlam. Information on that on our website if you're interested. Um, but I'm here this morning uh, to talk about long-term missions in a kind of global world uh, setting. And so I have three guests with me. Thalia couldn't make it today. She is busy prepping for a pre-marriage class and she's teaching our Immerse students tomorrow. And so this week was hectic. So I have three great guests and I will get them to introduce themselves. They have all served or are serving uh, overseas or locally, but with a global long-term missions kind of focus. So Gloria, I'll start with you. Why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, Gloria Fama. And Don and I work with Wycliffe Bible Translators. Uh, we're, we've been 12 years in Papua New Guinea, and now we're serving on the campus of Trinity Western, training up Bible translators to go into Bible translation around the world. And we have three adult children. Hmm. So what's your day-to-day life like right oh, now? Oh, exciting. Um, I do a lot of mentoring of the girls, the students, um, female students who are going into translation or something to do with Bible translation. And so like last Thursday, I had 16 over for dinner Hmm. to my house. And tomorrow I'm doing another dinner with them. And we're talking about just some of the very things that you talked about today. So about, uh, you know, just serving the Lord with their whole heart. And that's kind of what I do every day. Yeah. Neat to say I've been there and I know what you're going to encounter. And these may be some things. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We really try to uh, pull in some of our own experiences and just help them work through some of those issues before they get into them. Yeah. Yeah. Prepare them. Prepare them. Yeah. Okay, Dolly. Hi, I'm Dolly Olietch, married to Wellington. Um, We serve in Uganda with Word of Life and have three children. Um, My husband is a pastor there, so I help him a lot in the church. Um, but my main role is uh, working as a Bible teacher in the high school and helping with a lot of school administrative duties. Right. Mm-hmm. You were on staff here prior to leaving. Yes, I was. Yes. Mm-hmm. We miss you here, mm-hmm. but we're glad to mm-hmm. always get your updates there. It's good to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my other guest is not too unfamiliar to people who've been listening, but she also served on a long-term mission. So introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Erin Peters, and my husband Kevin and I both worked in Madagascar from the year 2000 to 2007. We worked with an organization called Heli Mission, which is using helicopters um, to reach really remote remote places in that country. Um, and it's like it's a transportation ministry, so you're currying the missionaries um, and loads of Bibles, loads of rice. Transporting, transporting things like that, medical teams out to the really far places. What I like about what's represented here in this room is that we have people who are kind of doing the Bible work, people doing pastoral work, and people mm-hmm. doing like very practical kind of secular work in the sense that Kevin is a helicopter mechanic here yeah, and that just got translated overseas. And so there's no real category for mm-hmm. missionary, right? Like yeah. it's all those skills can be used and those yeah. in, in different places. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. What did you love about the place that you served when you or are serving? Like what drew you there maybe initially and what did you really appreciate while you were there? Do you want to start, Gloria? Yeah, well, I we loved Papua New Guinea the minute we set our foot on, mm-hmm. on the land. Uh, the people were very um, poor and yet they had their gardens. So really they were very well off in some mm. ways. So it was just wonderful to see that dichotomy. And uh, how they managed all of that. Um, but they were very relational. 
people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they love to engage with you. And that, that was very special. That's what I, I loved about Papua New Guinea. Did you live on like with a bunch of other missionaries, or were you out on your own, or what well, was your we setting? Well, when we first when we first went, we were at Jungle Camp, and okay. so that helped us to really connect with the culture, with people, learn the language, learn the culture, mm-hmm. and be able to survive in the jungle. So it's taught it taught us a lot. Uh, we also had to learn to swim a mile in the oh, ocean. Oh wow! Yeah, because there's a lot of allocations that are in the on the ocean. Um, so that was a stretch. Everything was a stretch there. Like, I've never been so stretched in my life. It's every day. It popped again. I thought, okay, here's another stretch. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, so I just I just really loved it. Our kids loved it. I mean, when yeah, they just loved being there. Hmm. It was a safe place for them and a good place. Well, it wasn't safe all the time, but no place is safe, right? No. Mm-hmm. Is, but if God's there, he will, keep, you know, protect us and guide us through. Yeah, yeah. Which oh. he did. That's great. I hear Papua New Guinea has a pretty good climate, too. Is that tr- oh, true? It's the best in the world. Where yeah. we were up in the highlands, even National Geographic says it is the best <laughs> weather in the world. So I we totally agree with that. So um, what does that mean? Like just in terms of temperature being really moderate? Yes, because we were <clears throat> in the highlands where our center is. We were 5,000 feet up. Right. So we had the hot sun because we're close to the equator. But we had the coolness of the elevation. Right. Mm. So with that, those two things, it just was marvelous. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Dolly, what do you love about Uganda? Well, the word that comes out for me as I was writing out, I saw a theme. I'm like, warm. Well, first of all, it, because I've been so cold, it's, <laughs> it's also a nice warm climate, although very hot right now, but warm. But also warm people. Mm-hmm. Very warm and friendly and Love socializing, like Gloria's saying too, about Papua New Guinea. Um, and then also people are warm and receptive to the gospel. Hmm. So those three things that stand out, I think, for me. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of people who uh, are coming from a complete non-Christian background that you're ministering to, or is it? No, I would say many people are aware, many. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of little churches around everywhere, Okay. but um, they say that the gospel or not even the gospel. I would say it's not even a true gospel, but Christianity is a mile wide, but only, only an inch deep. Okay. Yeah. So they'll say they're a Christian, but they're pretty nominal or they're yeah. following a very heretical teaching. So so similar in that way, maybe to North America or, yeah. you know, other places where it's kind of familiar mm-hmm. information, but yeah. maybe not. Yeah. Not in their heart, though. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not maybe influencing their decisions and the way they yeah. live. But definitely not the secular walls that we feel out here. here. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Erin, how about you when you were in Madagascar? Yeah. Things that we loved is uh, were the people. Uh, just a same, similar thing. Yeah. Just so warm, warm hearted and um, smiling and ready to be developing a friendship. Uh, that was fabulous. We also really had the blessing of an amazing missionary community. And because we worked in a transportation ministry, we got to know all the different denominations and kinds of missionaries that were working in that country. So we kind of had friendships with lots of people from different countries and um, different kinds of work. Different churches, probably. Yeah, yep. yeah lots of different backgrounds. Um, of, And it was fabulous. It was so great. And uh, I think just that mind stretching, getting a perspective on like global, like what other people live like and, mm. um, and seeing, like stopping and listening and hearing people's stories so that you can see where and how a need could be met. And if there even should be help given in that situation, like sometimes people can figure it out themselves and learn something on their own. 
So I think it was great being able to sort of change that perspective and the climate. Oh, man. Yeah. It's very, very similar to what you described in Papua. Like we were in the highlands near the equator. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just yeah. tank top and pants every day. Perfect <laughs> for me. <laughs> Sounds nice as we hunker down in the snow and <laughs> <in> the rain. <laughs> Help people understand. Uh, maybe you guys can give us some perspective. What's the missionary cycle in the sense? Like what does it take mm-hmm. to be a missionary? What are kind of the stages of it? And, you know, what do people kind of generally go through in terms of their, if they, if they invest in long-term mm-hmm. missions, what's that going to look like for them? Well, I could start and say sure. that if you're working with an organization, probably the first thing would be that you're accepted by that organization, that they... So they don't if, just accept anybody? Well, <laughs> they could. Um, no. No. <laughs> Depends what the mandate of the, the organization right. Yeah. is, right? Yeah. So, um, and there's advantage to that, right? Because you have uh, an organization that's covering you and taking care of you mm-hmm. also, right? And they support so, you, yeah. Yeah. And then there's the support raising that you need to do before you go for, I would say, most organizations require some sort of Budget. financial support raising and raising up a team of people that will pray with you, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be the start. Yeah. Um, then you go and serve for a term, right? Can be anywhere from two to four or five years, depending where you go. Somebody like me didn't need to learn a language. Other people go, you have to learn a language. So that yes. can take be very time consuming. Did you have to learn anything, Gloria? Well, we learned Melanesian pidgin, which is a, a very simple trade language okay so that all of the tribes can all talk to one another okay so it was like their common yeah. like english would be a common language between chinese speakers and japanese or whatever right. but then. it's very simple mm-hmm. okay very simple language yeah how about you Erin? did you have to learn anything uh, we didn't need to because kevin's work was in aviation which is an english speaking world world no matter what country you're in oh. um however in hindsight it would have been really helpful for me mm-hmm. to have had specific immersion training, language training, because I was really hindered. My people mm. skills, my my giftings are in being with people. And the work I was doing just didn't, it wasn't helpful without having the language. And just when we thought, okay, fine, I'll just leave Kev and go and live somewhere for three months at a language training town. Uh, and then I got pregnant and that just, oh, there went that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I could be more effective if I learned a language too. I could. Yeah. Um, it's not necessary with the work I do, but I know I could be reaching out more in the yes. community if I did. Yeah. So. yeah. For us, one of the reasons why we didn't do it initially, because we were given the opportunity to, but Kevin had been preparing for his role there for probably five years at that point. He had done his specific training with the purpose of going overseas. Mm. And then we had to do the all the different trainings, sort of theologically, biblically, uh, they put you through the, the orientation, yeah. all of that. That was like two years worth, yeah. of, and the fundraising yeah. was like two years. Yeah. So by the time we finally got out there, we're like, no, let's no. just get going. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. True. So you're on, a, you commit to a certain term at yeah. a time. Like you yeah. don't necessarily commit to life, right? You commit to, well, this is what we're going to do for yeah. this term. And then what happens after that? Then you go and back home, which is, Depends what if you call it home still. At my point, I still call it home. You I call don't know it if it will Abbas be that home. way yeah. next time. Yeah. Because we've only been there for three years. Mm-hmm. But you come home and on furlough. And some people call it different. Some call it home, home assignment. assignment. Um, but we call it furlough still. It's t- furlough means to rest. Yeah. And what's the general term of a furlough? How long? Do they that varies rest? too. I think it depends how long you've been gone. Yeah. I so, think furlough too does have different meanings for different organizations. Mm -hmm. So from my vantage point, knowing a lot of people from different organizations, we have friends who come back to the States and Canada 
and they'll be here for a year, but they are working like mm-hmm. dogs almost yeah. the whole time they're here. They're going to a different church in a different city almost every weekend, mm-hmm. representing and the raise, yeah. missionary work. And they are they're exhausted at the end of their furlough. Mm-hmm. So then they take like a, a month break. Of holiday? Of holiday. Hmm. So it's a little bit different because some organizations yeah. say, make sure you go take care of yourselves, take care of the people who mm-hmm. are supporting you, mm-hmm. share stories that's well, your job. Well, I'm supposed to do that too, right? Mm-hmm. So, but they've really emphasized with us to rest. So, mm-hmm. we do need to like we are on furlough. We do need to build up our support. We do have some projects that we're working on. So, we there is that that commitment that we have to mm-hmm. do while we're here too, but they kept emphasizing also rest yes. and be fed and I Yeah. Wiley and I totally need that feeding yeah. right now because we've been pouring out. So, furlough is partly to be spiritually fed too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So being at church, being at Bible mm. study, being oh, engaged in whatever yeah. you can be here, yeah. right? While you're yeah. here. Yeah, it's good. And it helps our kids to to get reoriented to Canadian culture because yes. yeah. they, they will eventually be coming back right. to live in right. Canada. Yeah. And with our kids, every time we went on furlough, they were counting the days until they went back mm. because they weren't coming home. Mm. Their mm. home was Papua New Guinea because they were very young when they went yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, when somebody said welcome home to them, they kind of looked at them strange, like, this is not my home. Yeah. So it's very hard to get them oriented back to Canada, getting to know their their grandparents, aunts, uncles, Absolutely. cousins, you know, yeah. and and feeling that, okay, this is where I am. I belong. I'm connected I, here. I am yeah. connected here. So it really helps them. I yeah. think even as an adult, each time that you go back and forth, there's a, okay, this is now my culture. This is also my culture. Yeah. There's this kind of bi-language, I don't know, bicultural thing that happens. You're trying to hip-hop between the two. Yes. And that's, that's tricky business. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can imagine. Yeah. So when you're on the mission field, when you're in Uganda or Papua New Guinea or Madagascar, what kind of challenges are you facing, are missionaries facing? Well, in Papua New Guinea, um, there there has been quite a bit of law and order problems. Mm. And so that was a, a big uh, issue where we were for quite a few years. And our center had lots of attacks, mm. and we had to build a seven-kilometer fence oh, wow. around the <clears throat> like but, cement fence or what kind of fence? No, it was a chain link fence. Okay. But, you know, they still were able to cut through that yeah. and get in. So there were a lot of those kind of issues that we faced, and it really wore us down a lot. And then mm. when you wanted to get out of the center and go to the coast for a rest, you had to go in a caravan. So mm. you really had to or- organize with other missionaries to can go just together. Be, mm. You can oh. just be spontaneous and go somewhere. and No. No. So, yeah, there were some issues that we really Mm. had to work through. Yeah. Yeah. I would say um, a challenge for us is that we have so much work to do out there, and it's exhausting. Mm. That's what I would say. We do have um, sometimes some security issues, too. Sometimes, I mean, every time we go to the mall, they'll check our car for that we don't have weapons or bombs and stuff like that. So there's security stuff, too. Wow. But that becomes a normal, right? Right. You get used to it. And guards at night and things like that. Mm-hmm. We don't have that here, right? Yeah. But overall, the challenge, I think, is for us, it's more the ministry. It's just, there's just a lot to do. Yeah. 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 For us, there was always a medical health issue. Mm. Um, it, getting good medical care was always a trick. Mm. So we had a number of occasions where we had to leave the country for medical things. So that's mm. always, your, your brain is always churning. Like, is this something serious enough I need to go take care of somewhere else? 
Is this malaria? Fine. Of course, they know how to deal with that here. But is this a hernia that needs to be surgically taken care of? Is this a, Mm. you know, whatever, something else that needs to be medevaced for? Mm -hmm. Those are always churning in your brain. It's kind of exhausting. I found living in such poverty was hard. Everywhere we went, um, it's just, it's always around you and it becomes... um, it's just stressful. Like you're always living in it and becomes normal. So you yeah, kind of think, uh-huh. oh no, this is just my normal. And then when you're away from it, you just realize, oh man, mm-hmm. it's like exhausting to be yeah. always being asked because you're the white person yes. for some money. Yes. For some yes. money. And then Kevin and I would always be trying to reassess how are we giving and when and how, like, do we just give to somebody out the window when they're begging at our, mm-hmm. our car window? Or do we uh, specifically give to an organization mm-hmm. that we know is doing wise things? Like, you're always reassessing yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always in your face. But it's, it's not always like in your face. When you just go to Vancouver like, once every month and deal and see homeless. No, and, and it's and like everywhere. Yes. Yeah. But yes. then that personal evaluation too, right? Like, yeah. well, I deserve to go for a coffee, right? But right. everybody living around me would never go for a coffee, right? right. Those yeah. kinds of so things. So living in that guilt or yeah. not sure yes. what yeah. you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and can that, see that. Another hard part of being a missionary, I think, is the hellos and the goodbyes. Yes, mm-hmm. very much so. Yes. Not only are you saying goodbye to the people in your home country mm-hmm. every time you leave, mm-hmm. but when you come back to Canada, you're saying goodbye to people that you've served with, that you've yeah. served with alongside of, whether that's your other foreign service people mm-hmm. or that's your beloved national leaders, national yeah. people that you're working mm-hmm. with um, or serving with. Or it might be that even during your term, somebody says goodbye because their time of being in that yes, country is yeah, finished. Yeah. So you're just constantly saying hello yeah. yes. with yeah. big arms mm-hmm. and goodbye. Yeah. So with you have to keep yourself open to new relationships and new people all the yeah. time. But mm-hmm. that gets really but hard. Yeah, I can it imagine. Does. Because you've been hurt so many times. And yeah. these dear, dear, deep friendships being broken yeah. when they leave. And so then you've got to start all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to a point where you say, you say, okay, I can't say hello to that new person. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. And then you have to pray through it. Yes. Yeah. You know, and ask God to just give you the, the uh, desire and, and the love for that new person. Yeah. And when, I, when, it, I, when we moved to it. Uganda, I, I put up a wall for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I just grieved. Yes. Grieved and being here? Like leaving. Leave, leaving. Yeah. I love this job, and I yes. agree yeah. leaving family. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Just the change, right, yes. as much as I was ready to go. Yeah. So I wasn't ready to make friends right away, so I mm-hmm. just took a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And hmm. I sometimes had people on this end in Canada say to me later, you left without any emotion. You, We were so sad to see you go, and you just were stoic. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that was my wall. I yeah. was trying to keep myself from Together. falling apart. Yeah. yeah, And I had tasks to take care of in that yeah. last week, that last month. And I, I left without any seeming emotion. And then people were like, do you not care mm-hmm. that you're leaving us? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it sounds terrible. It sounds like we're, we're, we're giving all the bad things, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the good side is that you do make such amazing Deep friendships. Deeper yeah. friendships than even family. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, yes. they Surrogates. become such close family mm-hmm. members that you just love to be with them it's whenever true. you can. Yeah. True. You're sharing the same mission, the same vision, and yes. striving together. It's like whenever you serve alongside someone, yes. you develop a, a closer relationship with them, right? And if yes. you're actually living in the same place and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and away from the regular comforts that you'd have of people, then mm-hmm. you, those ties just become stronger. Yeah. And when they're going through some real deep, heavy stuff that you— bear each other up 
with prayer and support and tears a lot of time, right? And so that even strengthens the relationship even further. So it's wonderful. Yeah. And I'd like it to be noted that the worst thing that we can say is not that we are living in a grass hut. Yeah, yes. that's right. We're living a very nice yeah. Because that's what I actually thought was going to be the worst part, and then yeah. was not. Yeah, no. it's, it's yeah. not. It's the people stuff everywhere. It's, people it's always stuff, the right? people stuff. And yeah. I wasn't living in a grass hut either. So, yeah. yeah. What yeah. are the challenges when you come home? When you come home for furlough? Well, let's say for furlough, and then let's talk about for good. So, what? Because the, there's two different mm-hmm. kind of categories there. When you come home for furlough, mm-hmm. what's the challenge? Like you said, you can get burned out on your furlough yeah. if you have to work all the time. What else? Do you find challenging? Well, one thing I've been working, this is my first furlough, this is my first ah, experience. Yeah. I've actually been feeling very alone. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then I realized as I thought it through and processed, I'm like, actually, I think my alone feeling is that I don't feel useful, ah. mm. right? Because I'm so used to being busy. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I've always, I've, for the last many years of my life, I've been working or serving. Mm-hmm. And here I'm just here. Resting, as they told <laughs> yeah, you to I know, do. Which I'm supposed to do. <laughs> so that's lonely. quite an ad- adjustment. And, and um, so then I'm like, that's good that I figured that out. So I'm not blaming other people. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, it's true. Yeah. It's true. So that's a challenge of coming, I think, for me anyway. So, mm-hmm. and we knew coming in that people out here are busy. So mm-hmm. that's, that was good. But just to live through it is like, oh, yeah, they're busy. So even family mm-hmm. is busy. Yeah. Because yeah. people's lives keep going while you're gone. Right. Yep. And then. To and, fit back into it, it's yeah, kind of be tricky. And another challenge is people move on. Right? Yeah, that's so, right. So, and I think I sometimes think too much ahead, and I think, wow, next time we come on furlough, that's going to be even worse. Mm-hmm. Even more will have moved on. Mm. So I have to be in the moment and enjoy who I do have now, and enjoy the people that God is providing along the way. Like you're saying, Gloria, there are people God does provide mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. So take that mm-hmm. instead of worrying about. What could happen in the future? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else? Well, I never felt a furlough was restful. No. Mm. Never. Hmm. It was just very busy uh, reporting to individuals, uh, supporters, reporting to churches, uh, helping your kids yeah. through furlough. Yeah. Uh, just everything that is everyday uh, bombardment of stuff. And so it was very hard to feel like I went back to the field rested. Hmm. Yeah, that was, and I think that's my own fault because I love being busy. I love reporting. I love talking Mm -hmm. to women (laughs) and encouraging them. But I really should have done better at taking care of myself because every time I was on furlough, I noticed I was having burnout. Mm. When you came back? Yes. And then the very last furlough, I was in such burnout. My heart was racing the Mm. whole 12 months. And finally, I got some help. And uh, then I finally said, okay, I think we can go back for one more term. And then once you're back there, you're back into it and you're go, go, going. Mm-hmm. But then when you come home, it's like crash. Hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of my situation. I, yeah. I did it to myself. <laughs> yeah, like we bring ourselves with us on the mission. Oh. Like, right? It's not well, like you we become a so different much, person. Right? Yeah. So all the things that we face here, we're probably going to face there, mm-hmm. right? The same tendencies to do things and yeah. overwork or over. Yeah, mm-hmm. or feel overly burdened by things. It's going to translate over. Any other challenges that you had on furlough coming home? Uh, a, a little similar to yours, your guys, what you said. Um, uh, answering the same questions repeatedly oh, really? yes. <laughs> can be a little tiresome, and that's just part of the business. Yeah. You're, you're like, uh, how's Madagascar? Uh, 
well. <laughs> Such a now, can we narrow that question down a bit? <laughs> and then um, the other one is choices. When you have a really limited uh, shopping opportunities mm-hmm. and then you walk into a North American mall mm-hmm. and you just went to go on your first night back to get yourself a toothbrush and there's like 70 options and you just want to cry you're like I have no idea <laughs> what kind should I choose yeah. <laughs> I remember Kevin going out to go buy one and he came back like an hour later hmm. I said where are Toki's long <laughs> pointed at, held up his toothbrush and said, I just, it took me this long to choose this one toothbrush. Because <laughs> there's no options out there. So you just buy whatever's there and oh, yeah. deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. How about when you come home for good? When you like Dolly hasn't got there yet, but mm-hmm. both of you two, mm-hmm. Gloria and Aaron have come home for good or come to North America for good, whether that's home or not. Sure. Um, one of our things was just uh, all the details of getting yourself organized into a new it back into the life of um, getting secondhand furniture to furnish your home with, like just all the all those practical bits. You need a car. You need a home. You need clothing again. As you leave everything behind, for the most part, because yeah. what's the point of shipping all those yeah. six years worth of worn out clothes back? You're not going to do that. So you have to start from scratch. So it's kind of overwhelming. There's lots of shopping to do. There's lots of connecting with people, and you're you've you're grieving at the same time because yeah. you've left something yes. and. It was so meaningful and purposeful for you. Um, and that transition is not over in the first two, three months when those practical details are taken care of. And we saw in the two years, let's say, after we left, each one of us went through a season of a different struggle, but kind of a grieving struggle. Mm-hmm. So for Kev, it was feeling like he wasn't part of missions work anymore. And that hit him probably a nine or ten months into our mm-hmm. being back in Canada. For one of our kids, all of a sudden they realized six months after we got back that, oh, really, that doll stroller, that toy mm-hmm. is really not going to ever come back into my life again. <laughs> so for <laughs> three, it back in Madagascar, you mean? Yeah, yeah, it was back in our house in Madagascar. And she just she just didn't realize how permanent the decision was. Mm-hmm. So as a three-year-old, all, that hit her at six months. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it hit me much later when I suddenly needed to face up with poverty again because as mm-hmm. soon as we came back I was like door shut I'm not thinking about poverty anymore I'm so glad to be away from it and I yeah. felt guilty for being glad Yeah. Mm-hmm. but then it took about two years I think the Lord just sort of let me be respite for a bit on that mm-hmm. issue and then he just started like eh, 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 pushing that topic into all the conversations around me mm-hmm. were about homelessness and poverty and all of a sudden I just started crying anytime somebody talked about a poverty situation mm-hmm. and I realized oh I need to face up with this so me and God had a lot of conversations about poverty for a while there oh, and wow. just had to find some listening ears who could hear something that was deeper than just um, yeah Madagascar's nice mm-hmm. <laughs> I needed to find some good people that could hear that grief that hard uh, philosophical conversation mm-hmm. yeah how about you Gloria yeah well um our home is Windsor, Ontario. Mm. So we had a house back there. So we knew we were coming out here to work at uh, the Canada Institute of Linguistics. And so we had to drop in here for a week, buy a house, fly back to Windsor, pack up our house there for sale, and then drive out here for the kids to be mm. put in school. So this so is a whole new territory, too. It was, yeah, it's like yeah. going to another mission field. Yeah. We don't know anybody. Right. Well, I think we do one family out here. Yeah. And so we had, to, once again, saying hi's and goodbyes mm. yeah. back in Ontario. 
So that was a whole nother stressor added on to everything. Um, but we were thankful that we could still be involved with Wycliffe. And so our, our Wycliffe family was here, and hmm. we quickly developed uh, Wycliffe relationships. And, and, uh, and then to be able to work with these fresh, keen, amazing young people was just such a delight, is hmm. such a delight. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to be able to talk into their lives as to prepare them for what's ahead— um, it's been just great. Um, but I still uh, really had to deal with a lot of burnout issues when mm. I first came home. Yeah. And so it was just trying to walk a tight <clears throat> uh, rope there, just being careful not to over-engage myself too much. Yeah. But it's been, it's been great these yeah. last few years. So we only have a few more minutes left. With all these challenges in mind... How could a church like Northview, how can individuals in this church or other people who are listening to this podcast, how can we come alongside people who are in long-term missions? What would be helpful um, when people come back on furlough, when they're on the field? What would be uh, encouragement to people? I know for me, I love it when people pr- say they're praying for me. Oh, yeah. You know, or will even just stop and and uh, engage with me uh, about whatever, you know. Let me talk a little bit and share this amazing life I've lived. And uh, I think that that's very special. Uh, I know when our home, uh, our church home back in Windsor, they were afraid to ask us hmm. because they kind of thought, oh, well, they need time to rest. And they, But, you know, you have had such rich experiences. Yeah. You just so Wanna want share to it. share. And I think that really helps is when people yeah. um, really strive to be interested and engaged with you and and especially their their encouragement and their prayers yeah i think also it's along with that just checking in on people too or Mm -hmm. as much as we want to share our stories but am i okay (laughs) yeah am i are your kids (laughs) okay yes i like sincerely not just the superficial things are fine yeah they're fine that's what i'm going to say if you're asking it that way right so and um our financial support that we get out um, out there we do fine, but it's a little, this is a different economy, right? So mm-hmm. when you ask, are you fine? Are you fine financially too, right? Those kinds of questions too. Are you okay? Is everything okay? Just checking on. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely, even in these two months I've been here so far, what has overwhelmed me mm-hmm. in a good way is the people that come along and say, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. Mm-hmm. So, Very and special. I've just really seen how Northview is backing us up that way with hmm. prayer, and I'm just so grateful. And I think that's what has carried us a long way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think um, we need we can tie people into our church mm-hmm. by that. Like that's just so so important because you don't know if Northview or your home church, whoever's listening, if they remembered you. Yeah. So tying them in, yes, come to our community group, get yeah. to be part of our just our games night, our just the practical things, not always having yeah. to be the, the, the speaker, guest, the official guest, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because that puts pe- missionaries up on a pedestal yeah. mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, we can't really talk to them, but we'll just listen to them. Okay, and that's just <laughs> not can play Yahtzee with them. It's not, really, <laughs> yeah. it's not really healthy. Um, and then also finding out needs. Like yeah. often, they uh, a missionary doesn't have dental coverage or um, mm-hmm. medical coverage. Yes. 
they might need um, a will drawn mm-hmm. up. Maybe maybe they've had extra kids while they were on the mission field and they mm-hmm. need to now get their will revised. So a lot of practical things. Mm-hmm. They need to get that all done in their two months, four months, whatever they are that they're here. Mm-hmm. They maybe need to go on a marriage retreat because maybe the thing yes. that really needs to be te- dealt with during that rest is their marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's lots of practical things, I think, if a community can really tie them in, find out what's really mm-hmm. a need and then try to figure out how to help them get to that goal. Yeah. yeah. From what I hear, as I talk to people who are on the Global Missions kind of commission here at Northview that Darcy runs, that's part of all of the meetings is that they'll have a missionary family come in that's on mm-hmm. furlough and get to hear from them and hear them unload. And how can we pray for you? And how can we come yeah. alongside you as a church? And I think that's great that the Mission Commission people get to know those people it on that level. It is great. We yes. were there last week for that. So yeah. It was yeah. very good. Yeah. yeah. Because you can't say, like, our church services are just an hour. You can't, right. like, have missionary reports, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. as we would like to sometimes hear so much more. So if we can have those other yeah. opportunities to do it. And thank you, Crystal, for doing this. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it has given us a platform hmm. to be able to talk about these things. And mm-hmm. it's very special for us. Yes. Good. Mm-hmm. One other thing I wanted to quickly mention, because it's something Northview does, is we have encouragement tours. Mm-hmm. And so I want to talk about that a bit. Um, because we often will have like two different types of missions trips. Often we'll send short-term mission teams to do a specific project, like build an orphanage or whatever. And then we have other teams that go out to specifically encourage the missionaries. So mm-hmm. is that valuable, those Absolutely. encouragement tours? You've both, Gloria's been on one, mm-hmm. Aaron's been, been on, on one. Mm-hmm. I've been on the receiving end of one. Yeah, mm-hmm. so what's the I've value of I've also received one. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. what's the value of that encouragement tour? I think for for one, just that they make the effort to come. Mm-hmm. Secondly, that they see, actually see in person what we do. There's mm-hmm. something really valuable yeah. right about mm-hmm. someone actually physically being where you yeah. are, right? And yeah. seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then just catching up time, right? What's going on yeah. back in the home front, right? right? So, yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. When we received one, we it was just one person who came and it was Darcy. And um, I mean, on a practical level, it was totally fun because he opened up these two duffel bags and he just started hauling stuff out of there. There was clean t-shirts, freshly brand new t-shirts. There was toys for the kids. There were all these wonderful things. Um, Some were specially requested and some were just total surprises. And it blessed our socks off. You would, I, so silly, just little things, but it blessed us. Um, But him being there and seeing where we were, uh, it just made us feel like we were connected to Northview. And then when I got to go on one years later, Mm -hmm. um, what was such a fun part of it is that we were I visited we visited three different missionaries in different countries and the one couple they live in a discreet country however we say that mm-hmm. sensitive region. sensitive thank you and um, they just told stories and they talked mm-hmm. in their home la- in their own like language of their heart mm-hmm. to us for three days while we were there they could tell us stories mm-hmm. and for them that was the most important thing oh we just needed to talk to someone yeah. someone who was from our own culture someone that yeah. like we're, we're anonymous like we can just talk to you that's good it's true yeah so i think this is kind of obvious in some ways but maybe not why should we be invested in missionaries what's at stake if we're not as a church if we don't come alongside those people that we send out Mm -hmm. Hmm. uh well our missionaries are the hands and feet out there in the global field so if we take good care of them then they can be sustained to last longer. And there's so much invested in them being there. As we all spoke, there were years of work to To actually getting to that spot. And so if somebody's worked there for three years, 10 years, and they can't 
manage it anymore because of an emotional strain, a marital problem, a financial budgeting issue, then they come home and that worker's gone. Mm -hmm. All those years of investment. The language learning, Mm -hmm. the times fundraising, all that stuff is kind of, yeah, put -hmm. to the wayside. Yes. Uh, You know, the Lord challenged us all, you know, to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest field. But that also means to keep them there. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so that they can flourish there. Yeah. So they will know we are Christians by our love, Hmm. right? And so we really need to love them in a very practical sense all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So we hope this has been encouraging for you, challenging for you as you think about the missionaries that you know. Um, that you can walk alongside them in a way that's helpful. And feel free to send any questions you have to bonus at northview.org, and we can try and answer them in future podcasts. Uh, Gloria, would you close us in prayer today? Yes. Father, we just want to thank you for this uh, time of reflection, Lord, on the wonderful experiences that we've had. Hard, many of them, Father, but we we realize that those hard experiences, Father, has caused us to dig into you. Mm and to uh, put our roots down deep into your word and to rely on you, Lord Jesus. And you became so real to us in those hard times. And so, Father, we rejoice in the good times, Lord, because those were the perks. And we just praise you and thank you, Lord, for all that you have given to us and for this wonderful church that we claim as our own Northview. We just uh, thank you for it and bless you for it. We thank you for all our amazing pastors and and all of the staff, Lord. They've been so excellent. And we just thank you for all the community here, Lord, who are really genuine and and love uh, their missionaries. And we just pray that you continue that. And thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us. So if you love someone, you should let them know The light that ye left me will ever glow